You are listening to listener-supported WPKN in Bridgeport at 89.5 FM. I'm Valerie Richardson, and I'm delighted to welcome to the airwaves, probably not for the first time, um, Antoinette Brim-Bell, who is Connecticut's Poet Laureate. I think that is so cool. Welcome, Antoinette. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm just uh, really was happy. Uh, I heard about this event happening, and I've, I've just always wanted to talk to you. So this this was a, this was a good excuse, and um, I'd love to let people know about this really cool event that's happening also in Hartford this coming Thursday. So um, we, and we might work backwards from that. And I sh- and I should let people know also that you have a very special relationship to WPKN. You are the uh, the wife of Al Bell, who comes to us every Sunday night with great music, and so um, it's a I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days. Yeah, that would definitely be great. And I am a big supporter, you know, of WKPN. Yeah. So why don't you talk about, um, what, let's talk first about your, a little bit about your background. Um, you, and you, I'm, I'm fascinated by your creative process. You are both a poet and a visual artist. And um, you, you have published several books. You also teach um, you're very, very involved. So how, what does the Connecticut Poet Laureate do, and how long have you been doing that? You know, everyone wants to know. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, what what does a Poet Laureate actually do? Uh, we're very fortunate in um, Connecticut not only to have a state Poet Laureate, but also to have city Poet Laureates. And basically what we're charged to do is to advocate uh, for poetry, to bring poetry uh, to the citizens and create programming that, um, you know, enhances everyone's access uh, to poetry. And, uh, and that's, that's what I do. It's a three-year term, and I have just completed my first year, which was primarily what I like to call a listening tour. Um, where I went out and listened to the poets and artists and spoken word artists um, around the state and heard what they were doing. There's a lot of uh, imaginative programming um, and great representation of all the arts in Connecticut. Uh, So um, especially if someone said this is a small town and and not many people go through, I immediately wanted to go and spend some time there. Um, I live in West Haven, so I was very familiar with, you know, West Haven, New Haven. And because I teach in Hartford, I was very um, familiar with what was going on in the Hartford scene. Um, but Connecticut is so much more. And that's what I've been doing. I've been um, spending my time getting to know um, artists from around the state. And one of the fun things, uh, one of the many fun things about this job is that I'm learning a lot about Connecticut history. Every town has um, their own history, and they're very eager to share um, those historical facts. Uh, I was just in Ridgefield and was was speaking in um, uh, a beautiful venue and was told that right behind us was a, um, you know, Revolutionary War um, 
what do you call it, cannonball lodged in the wall in Richfield. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was at the Keeler Tavern uh, Museum and History Center, and there's so much rich uh, history all around. So that's what I've been doing as Poet Laureate for um, this past year. And I think a lot of the history, I've, I've lived in Connecticut for uh, a long time, many decades. And are you, are you originally from Connecticut? No, I am what uh, some people would call a military brat. I like to say military kid instead. Um, my stepfather was in the Air Force, and so we traveled around the United States and, uh, you know, outside uh, of the country. I've lived in Turkey and in Germany, and so I... I have a an interesting worldview based on all the traveling that I've done. But Connecticut is home, and Connecticut's been very, very good for me and and for my family. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm a Connecticut na- Connecticut native now. <laughs> I, I feel that's that way too. Even though um, I've I've been here much much lo- much longer than I've been anyplace else, and 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 but it's interesting. I was going to say that that. The history, Connecticut's history has changed, and Connecticut, a lot of the the, the things um, that had been previously like literally whitewashed, uh, we are finding a lot more now about the history of slavery in Connecticut. I, I recently spoke with a group of women who um, identify themselves as witches and descended from people before there before the Salem witch trials. There were there was witch trials and hangings here in Connecticut. So there a lot of these things are coming out now, and and that not the witches, but the um, slavery in Connecticut is is what you're going to be working with and talking about this coming Thursdays. So why don't you uh, talk about this event? It sounds really cool. Yeah, it it is really cool. So um, what we're going to be talking about on Thursday um, at Connecticut Public on Asylum Avenue, um, actually in person, and then it's going to be uh, recorded and um, later distributed on their uh, YouTube channel. Um, what we're going to be talking about is the Witness Stone's Old Line Project. And Marilyn Nelson, who was um, also um, a Connecticut State Poet Laureate, assembled a group of us, um, Kate Russian, a very well-known um, Connecticut poet, and Rhonda Ward, a um, former New London Poet Laureate, and myself, she put us together. And what we did uh, was actually create poetry that is based on the stories and actual history, because we had a historian, Carolyn Wakeman, who worked with us um, to kind of um, honor the the formerly enslaved that lived on Lime Street in Old Lyme to give them um, honor, to give them voice, and uh, to, I guess, show their humanity. Oftentimes we hear, oh yeah, there are these slaves here, or there these people there, but we don't really see their humanity. And so when we had the opportunity to do research, 
and dive into who these people really were and to write poems about them, they became more than just statistics. And that's what we're going to be talking about on um, Thursday. We're going to talk about um, the research that went into this project. We're going to talk about what it's like to work um, together in collaboration on a poetry project. Um, actually, it was my first poetry collaboration. Um, I, like I think a lot of us uh, who write, are very used to retreating into our own little um, offices and silos and working alone, and then coming out and sharing after publication. Um, but we were working during the pandemic, and we were on Zoom talking about how the writing was going and uh, what was going on um, in our, you know, larger lives. And um, it was a wonderful experience. And so the four of us will be in conversation about what it's like not only um, to do this research and do this very important work, but what it's like to collaborate um, as as poets and artists. And how long have, have you been working on this project? We started in uh, 2020, um, and there was a big celebration, and then the poems were published in November of 2021. And... Um, so it's been a big part of our lives for a while now. So what does this term, the term witness stone mean? What is the significance of that? A witness stone, um, well, what they are are these bronze plaques that act, actually mark the sites where enslaved people lived and worked. And so if you walk down the street, you'll see these plaques. And they will have the formerly enslaved individual's name and a little bit about them and a year. And if we know, um, you know, birth and death, that might be on there or um, when they worked there will be there. And so a lot of this was a lot of this um, is this new research that Carolyn Wakeman has has uncovered uh, discovering some of the histories of some of these people? Well, she did a really deep dive in working with the Witness Stones Project, which is a national project as well. Um, other cities, you know, have done, um, have had similar stones placed down. Um, the bulk of our research, I think, was given to us by Carolyn Wakeman, and then it was on us to do the research that actually brought the individuals to life. For example, um, we, we got a little bit of information, and then we tried to imagine what that individual's life was like. So we did a lot of research about um, what jobs they had. We had some that were mariners. Um, that actually went to sea. We had some um, that worked in houses. And we, uh, for example, um, one of 
the formerly enslaved that I wrote about is Arabella. And I did a lot of research on making soap. Um, That's one of the things that uh, she would have been charged with. And then relating that, you know, to larger issues in her life. And uh, I've often joked that, you know, I could probably make soap now myself. I did so much research. But we wanted to make sure um, that we we stayed as close to the history as we could um, while also um, using our own creativity to give life to these individuals. So did each of you then, um, you're, you're talking about working with Arabella. I see that there, there were four names listed in this, um, this um, thing about what's happening on Thursday. Uh, Cato, Humphrey, Temperance, and Arabella. Did you each of each take one person or was it not quite that neat? Well, actually, we started out with 16 um, witness stones and we each took four um, of the 16 and wrote poems. And then we got together and um, gave readings and all 16 of those poems uh, were then published. And they, um, not only were they published in Poetry Magazine, the November 2021 issue, but they are also on that website along with um, a short interview that was done with us about um, our collaborative experience. I think a lot of people probably don't know how long slavery w- existed in Connecticut. It was um, just looking at the the, the facts. Um, 1784, uh, an act of gradual abolition was passed in Connecticut, and to say that those children born into slavery after uh, 17 March 1st, 1784, would be freed by the time they turned 25. And as a result, slavery in Connecticut was practiced until 18, 1848. So um, that's... Yeah, it's very interesting. Marilyn Nelson has an amazing poem that she wrote um, about the last Connecticut slave. Um, so she might talk about that on Thursday, and she might even read that poem. Um, we will be... Um, sharing some of our work during that interview. So I think it's going to be really interesting. There'll be uh, an opportunity for us uh, just to be in conversation. And we we work so well together. and We've gotten to know each other so well that we're so comfortable um, with each other that it's going to be a fabulous, fabulous conversation. You're listening to Listener Supported, WPKN in Bridgeport at 89.5 FM. I'm Valerie Richardson. I'm speaking with Connecticut State Poet Laureate Antoinette Brim Bell, who is talking about an event happening this coming Thursday evening at 6 p.m. in Hartford with Antoinette and uh, three other poets. And they'll be talking, uh, this is in um, conjunction and partnership with the Witness Stones Old Line Project. I did post on our Facebook page, the WPKN Facebook page, there is a link to the, uh, to the to this event so you can find out more about it and where it's taking place. And I guess you have to register in advance so you can, you can go there and find out more if you'd like. I didn't ask you this 
before when we were uh, or, organizing the interview, but could you read a little bit, or is that um, not something you really have have at hand there? Um, well, I kind of thought that you might. Ah. So I, <laughs> yeah, I thought that you might. So I do have, I guess, a poem that I can read um, for us before we say goodbye. And I would um, uh, definitely encourage uh, everyone to, if you can actually come uh, to the event on Thursday, it's going to be amazing and you'll get to learn more about our collaboration and hear um, the other poets read as well. Um, I'll read a poem. I'm going to have to change glasses real quick because, you know, (laughs) I'm a lady of that age. Okay, here we go. And um, today I will read um, about Caesar. And Caesar's witness stone inscription reads, Caesar, mariner, Born enslaved nearby, 1762, ran away, 1784, age 22, from John McCurdy. What Caesar learned at sea. Celestial fury reddens the morning sky, rebukes arrogant sailors and blustery refrains punctuated by syncopated thunderclaps. Men are set adrift, lifted, flung about a swell of consensus, a mob of seawater riled to sport. The sea is free. The sea is freedom. Alphabet is written in chalk, but azimuth is written in the sky, tethered to earth's gut, giving each man his bearing equally. Life is simple. Find where the sky meets the sea. Above that line is heaven. All else is hell. Let the sea moisten your brow with salted kisses, rock you in her ebbs and flows, and swaddle you in velvet black. Only then can a man dare dream. Dog watch is the last watch, early morning to daybreak. Sleepy sailors have no strength to meddle in a slave's quiet study of the stars. Follow the drinking gourd. God's breath carries seabirds to their nesting. Sisyphus and I are old friends. Pass him on the freedom way and again on the drag back. Life is sand spilled into the sea. To dream of freedom is arrogance. Waiting is work. Waiting for God to trouble the water. Caesar will be free in this life or the next. No man can own another man's soul, body maybe, but a man's soul on the zephyr is free. The sea is one long sigh. Wow, that's that's beautiful and it's so, so powerful as the images in that. 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, too, for inviting me to come and talk about this event that's going to be happening on Thursday. I'm really excited about it. And um, I know it's going to be a wonderful time. And as you're you're moving into your, your second year of being the Connecticut State Poet Laureate, what other things do you have on the horizon? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm working on some programming. We'll, uh, I'll be releasing more details about that in the near future. Um, and after having spent the first year uh, getting to know everyone um, or as many people as I could, uh, I'm looking forward to connecting poets um, together for collaborative opportunities. I would imagine that it's uh, part of this that would be really exciting probably is working with with young people throughout the state. And yes, they're you know, they're quite amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the Amistad School in New Haven and they had done a whole unit on poetry and they were so advanced, so gifted to the point that when it came time for them to read their poems, they stood at this, you know, small podium and delivered their poetry as if they were seasoned veterans. I was quite astounded. And I thought to myself, you know, poetry is in good hands. Um, (laughs) It's alive and well. I have been to many schools and I have many more schools to attend on um, my calendar uh, as I see what amazing Connecticut um, teachers are doing in the classrooms. giving young people the opportunity to use their voice and to put their own imaginings and experiences and hopes and dreams into language. Um, Yeah, working with with, uh, young poets is exciting and uh, comforting. (laughs) Well, I think there's there probably has not been a, a, a time as there is now where poetry in, in various forms is just so intertwined with popular culture and whether whether it be rap or uh, poetry slams have, have been so um, you know popular for the last, well, several decades now. Um, it's just really, it's something, it, it's not something that's sitting in dusty books, I think, for a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of younger people. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy about that. I think um, also having inaugural poems, um, you know, at uh, the inauguration of presidents has helped a lot, too, um, to spotlight poetry and what it can be and that, you know, uh, anyone can do it. We've seen all types of uh, poets, um, you know, poets of color, young poets, older poets, you know, women and men in recent years delivering these very important poems at very important times. And I think that also has brought poetry into the mainstream. Um, I agree with um, the poem by Ruth Foreman uh, that says, poetry should ride the bus, right? It should be everywhere we are um, in essence. So, yeah, I'm glad to know that that we realize how important um, and how much 
a part of our everyday um, poetry really is. Yeah, I think one of my favorite poems of the last, I guess, decade or so now um, was was the one that Elizabeth Alexander read at uh, President Obama's first inauguration, and it was just um, it was it was about everyday life, and yeah. I I this I just love that poem, and I, I I kept it I kept it penned up right by my desk at work for the entire the, that entire eight years, but then then. When the Trump administration came, I had I had to take it down because it just seemed like, it, you know, that that administration made a mockery of those values. And so, um, but but it was that that, that was a great poem. I, it is, it is, it's, yes, it's living. It was a beautiful, beautiful poem, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's an opportunity for um, for us to stop and reflect on. Uh, the beauty that um, you know our our country can be, and you know uh, our aspirations for what we hope to be. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And why don't you just, in closing, um, mention the event one more time? And um, and I, again, I did put a link to this event on WPKN's Facebook page, so you can go there and, and click, and it'll take you to where you can re- where you can register for it. Yes. So it's an evening with the Witness Stones Old Lyme Poets. Um, It is being hosted by Connecticut Public. And if you follow um, the link, um, admission is free. The doors open at six o'clock and um, you can just come and enjoy and sit. And if you're unable to be with us at that particular time, Connecticut Public will be posting um, the video um, on their website. Um, And I I just want to thank you again for giving me the opportunity to talk about how wonderful Thursday is going to be and to invite people um, to attend and to talk a little bit about poetry and what it means to be uh, a poet laureate. I appreciate that opportunity as well. Well, thank you so much, Antoinette, and it's a pleasure to meet you via via radio waves, and I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days. I hope, I'm hoping to make it to the event on Thursday, but I have to sort of jiggle my schedule a little bit, but I hope I, hope I can do that. <laughs> well, I hope I get to see you on Thursday, and if not, then we'll make other plans. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Antoinette Brim-Bell, the Poet Laureate of Connecticut, and uh, she's talking about an event happening this coming Thursday night. You're listening to listener-supported WPKN in Bridgeport at 89.5 FM, online at wpkn.org, and I'm Valerie Richardson.